And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a new special limited series we have coming up here on the Athletic NBA Show feed. It is called Stargazing. It is hosted by the Athletics' fantastic Lakers reporter, Jovan Buha. Stargazing is a look at the lifestyle gurus and support systems around NBA superstars. Each episode will center on one professional that represents an aspect of NBA culture. It could be fashion, it could be entertainment, nightlife, fitness, social media, as well as hear from the NBA superstars that work with these professionals. Some upcoming guests include Vince the Barber, Ronnie 2K, Rich Fresh, and B-Dot episodes of Stargazing will be released every Sunday starting on December 19th and will run through the NBA All-Star Weekend in February. That's Stargazing with our guy, Jovan Buha, Sundays right here on the Athletic NBA Show feed. Ben Simmons. Let's be honest, there's 29 NBA teams and then there's a G League roster with a few stars. They have a math problem offensively. Saturdays are the most fun day of the week. And with that, you get the most fun pod right here on the Athletic NBA show. It's called the Saturday Slam and Jam. You'll hear me, Andrew Schlecht, and my co-host Alex Spears break down the past week of NBA basketball bring on a smart beat writer to give you the lowdown on their team and then we have a trivia game Andrew versus the beat where I just try not to humiliate myself so when you're raking your leaves brewing your coffee or just taking care of stuff around the house listen to Saturday Slam and Jam right here on the Athletic MBA show right in your podcast space welcome to the Athletic MBA show on the Athletic Podcast Network Man, you tell them to keep having fun because everybody, you know, y'all played in the league. Everybody be like, oh, it's just a regular season, just a regular season. You're right, but you got to play the games that's in front of you. With a group that works like they do, the group that embraces some of our mantras. We talk about getting better every day. We talk about playing together. When you do those things, you end up on a stage like this. For our city of Milwaukee, NBA champions. Yeah. It's big time. They have a math problem offensively. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartman. They have a math problem offensively. You see, you see all these... <laughs> what? Wait! 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 This organization, what we, what we put together... You can't make this stuff. This ain't well made. It don't know nothing matters. Except what's going on. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Friday. It means it's Nerder She Wrote. I'm Dave DeFord, joined as I am each and every week by Seth Partnow and Mo DeKeel. What is up, fellas? It is raining cats and dogs over here in LA, Dave. I don't know what the hell to do. Uh, you know, it doesn't rain in Southern California. 
know. It, it, that's why I don't know what the hell to do, Dave. It's it's changing and it's raining. Well, I, I mean, luckily this time of year, everybody needs to stay inside anyway. So uh, I know the rain will keep everybody home. Uh, before we get started, don't forget, folks, end of the year sale over at The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash NBA show. Get this podcast advertising free and all the great stuff that we do over at The Athletic for just 24 bucks for the whole year. If you go before the end of 2021, that's theathletic.com slash NBA show. All right, guys, uh, let's let's start out with our favorite things. Um, it's been kind of a weird couple weeks in the league. Obviously, a lot of uh, new faces. Greg Monroe has looked pretty nice. Um, but my favorite thing is actually kind of an old thing. And it's a thing that's been around I don't know, as long as basketball has been around. It's guys with an extra gear. You know, I was watching Giannis on Christmas Day and, you know, he just came back from from covid and he didn't look great for the first few quarters of that game. But when it was time to be an MVP, he just flipped a switch and he took over that game on both ends. It's it's one thing to just elevate your game on the offensive end, hit tough shots, but to be able to affect and change the game on both ends and to make a decision to do it because your team is struggling and you were struggling. That's the next level. There's what four guys in the league that can do that right now? Maybe. Pretty impressive. I, I think it's a wider group than that. I think that there's a small group that can do it consistently. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot wider group that that tries to do it and sort of almost hero balls their team out of games than can consistently uh, do it well. And and so, I, but I would say that I mean, if we're going to start naming names, I mean, I think Jokic is a guy we have to mention right. here. Um, uh, KD. Is, is certainly another one. I mean, I think we've seen that in the playoffs enough times where KD's like, what do we need? Okay, I'll do it. Um, like, honestly, like right now, those are the three that kind of come to mind. I mean, there's some Ooh, guys. I think maybe- you got to, you got to, you got to give Steph a little bit of love there. The, it's the defense part. That That's the you biggest. Want, I'm and, sorry, you meant both ends? I just meant. Yeah, like I need both ends. Yeah. Apologies. Part of it is is a function of, you know, being a smaller guard, right? Like, I spaced it, out. Clearly, I got in trouble. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, like, no, no offense to Steph Curry, but he's not going to jump up and have a game-winning block. Right. Right? It's just not in his game. Uh, I, I'll I'll say LeBron. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And superhuman. Defensive recovery by LeBron James. Can is that guy I, I, even on on the defensive end? Um, there, but there's just not many of them, and so when we get to see a guy like Giannis, and, and I do think he's got another leap that he, that he's made since winning the title. It's like that championship bump, whatever that confidence bump guys get coming off of a title. He's got that. Uh, he didn't have this in his game even two years ago. And so it, it's kind of special to be able to watch this sort of thing happen, especially on the big stage. It was, it was a fun Christmas day game. Oh, I mean, uh, the, the game was amazing. That play down the stretch that he made, which is he's just making it look so regular now of giving help and taking away a dunk at the same time. It's like, it's an unbelievable play. And yet when Giannis does it now, I'm like, eh, it's what Giannis does. It's like, like his <laughs> signature move. Oh, he can defend the pass and block the alley-oop. Like, that who, was, nobody was else un- can do that. Un- 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 unreal play. In that in that situation, it just makes it look normal now. And, you know, I think, you know, 
But yeah, the the you know you're watching something special when it's a guy that can go to another gear. Because you're also just kind of like uh, it's it's like the Simpsons episode. Everybody forgive me a long time ago for anybody that doesn't remember this. But like there's a, a mafia fight on the Simpsons front yard and there's a guy who hasn't done anything yet. And Marge is pulling Homer inside like, no, get away from the window. We can't watch. And he's like, this dude hasn't done anything yet. But Marge, that little guy hasn't done anything yet. You know he's going to do something amazing. And as soon as the screen cuts away, you just hear one of these horrific screams. And you just hear Homer going, oh, like you missed it. And it's, 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 that's the guy. He has that gear. You know, it's, it's a guy that maybe hasn't done anything all game or has had a bad game. But then in the last five minutes just goes, okay, let's go. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. They want that switch right there. There it is. Tatum drives, gives it up. Williams, Kalyanis with the block as Williams went for the dunk. I had that dream again. Oh, thank God. It's only Grandpa. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Well, it's much better than if, uh, you know, we were comparing an NBA player to a monorail salesman. Yeah. So if we got some of those, we have some of those. If we're going to go with old references, this, this sounds almost like it's Dalton from Roadhouse. It's it, always be nice until it's time to not be nice. If somebody gets in your face and calls you a cocksucker, I want you to be nice. Okay. Ask him to walk. Be nice. If he won't walk, walk him, but be nice. If you can't walk him, one of the others will help you, and you'll both be nice. I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Right. Roadhouse. <laughs> Great movie if you haven't seen it. It's, it's the, one of the best bad movies ever. Y- yes. Go see it. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Mo, what, what's your least favorite thing this week? Since you, you don't have a favorite thing, what's your least I favorite I thing? I don't have a, a, a favorite thing. My least favorite thing is the announcement of this potential in-season tournament. I just think it's stupid. I think it's dumb with everything that we're doing. Um, listen, I was wrong on the playing tournament. I've owned that L many times over. I was wrong. I love it. I think it's great. It makes the regular season even matter more. I think this in-season tournament's stupid. And I understand it's a money grab and all of that. That's basically the whole reason why we're doing it. People talk to me going like, hey, it's going to cut down games. Cutting down four games is not really the answer. We need to cut down several more games than that, uh, really for the good of the guys and their health. But ultimately, like when everybody's like, well, soccer does it. How do you feel about soccer cups? Soccer leagues do not have playoffs at the end of the season. We do. We don't need this. This is stupid. Do we want to switch to points, though? Right. No, no, like, we don't need, I don't, we don't, we don't need to reinvent the wheel, Dave. It works. It, it, yeah, it basketball rolls. needs a tournament. Basketball it, needs a tournament because I, I do think that, you know, not a mid-season tournament, but like the playoffs. The playoffs, I, you can't yeah. change, can't do a wholesale change. But I do understand wanting to have a mid-season tournament to capitalize on a little bit of that chaos that, you know, we talked about this a lot. March Madness is special because basketball is a single elimination sport can be so chaotic you know Kemba Walker can get hot for we, we don't need games that. And, we don't and make a run I, we just don't I, need I know, it but I'm days. saying from from a business perspective when you're trying to get eyeballs on a TV show I, I can understand it Seth, Seth is there any way here that this makes any sense to you I mean I, I'm I'm on Mo's team here I, I agree with you Mo I mean I think you just I think you just 
you just said it. I mean, it's it's we're we're on some level we're making a TV show here. So, like, if it makes sense from that regard, then it makes sense. And while we might not like it from a competitive standpoint, um, I do think we have to say, well, uh, what 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 keeps the lights on? What pays the bills? Okay, well, I guess we got to do that then at a certain point. But I like I think there's a way to do it that because we I mean we we've all talked about there's points in the season where it's kind of like ah. Uh, and if there's a way to spice that up, I'm not sure if if the tournament is the way to do that, or you have to be very careful how you set the tournament up. But if there is something that can, you know, make games in February matter more, that would be okay for me. Now, I, I do think I do think to some degree that the the play in tournament has solved that a little bit. So maybe adding a, an in-season tournament on top of that, maybe we can need, need to let this, you know, play a normal season with the play-in setting and see what that looks like. Because, you know, we didn't have it last year. We certainly aren't having it this year. Um, so maybe see what that looks like before making more kind of, you know, more more changes, like kind of do the do a little bit of an A-B test here and say, okay, is this better or worse with the play-in game? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, now, from what I've read, too, it's going to be something that's in December. So it's still like it's still too early in the season to even do that. Second, you're still competing with the NFL and the NFL is going to kick our ass. That's just the way it is. NFL runs the is the number one league in the sport in the America. Good for them. Great. But it's just along those lines. I just don't think we're we're doing it. And you're getting greedy. You had success with the one great idea. Trust me, I do this all the time. I have a great idea and I'm like, yes, that means my second idea is just as good. And it turns out it sucks. And I think that's what we're heading for with with this uh, idea of a playing tournament. I still think, look, the solution is to add more value to regular season games by having significantly fewer of them. And that's not going to happen. Now, if the offset is we're going to come up with this tournament and we're going to take it down to like, you know, 58 games or 60 games or something like that. Hey man, you could sell me on that tournament because then those basketball games actually have a lot of value. You get a home and home and that's it. That's fun. You're going to create rivalries that way. I think it winds up being better for the league. And if it takes a midseason tournament to get that, all right, I'll start campaigning for it. But that's not what it's going to be. It's still going to be like 78 games. And we're still going to say, oh, man, it's only February. <laughs> Ugh, not, get not, me to April. Yeah. But, that, you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> I'm open. Look, I'm open to new stuff. But just give me a make it matter. I'm tired of stuff just existing just for the sake of it existing make it make sense well it'll right, it'll Seth, it'll you're... matter if the players think it matters and that's sort of it's it's sort of it's a very meta concept in that way if like if the if the, it's important to the players and the stars want to play and play hard then it'll be good and if not it'll be yes and so figuring out the incentive structure to make that happen is the tough needle to thread especially considering that the best way to make that uh, happen is throw money at it. And that 
on some level for the people who are in favor of this defeats the purpose. Um, but anyway, um, my I have a quick. My favorite thing is was I thought the the Christmas Day games for all of the worry about you know what was going to happen. They were really good games. Like I, I enjoyed that. Um, I, I enjoyed the fact that basically all three of the Phoenix Golden State games we got over the last month really delivered. Uh, so that that was that was you know a nice fun diversion. Uh, my least favorite thing is uh, Ricky Rubio and broader the Cavs who've been sort of one of the most fun stories this year and it's sort of probably kind of cut short just you know they're now they they already were maybe a guard short and now they're two guards short and it's hard to see how they they fix that and whether going out and and you know it, whether it actually makes sense to go out and fix that for them um so that's that that's kind of sad and that's you know it's a reminder that the the good stories don't always have like neat and tidy endings in sports, which is unfortunate and parenthetically why a lot of us end up liking wrestling because <laughs> you can actually you can actually bring the story to a conclusion if you do it well. That's a depressing way for the podcast. There, sorry. So, like I don't even want to pod anymore. Thank no, you. Sorry. That was that was just depressing. <laughs> yeah, uh, you don't like to see. I don't like to see anybody get hurt. I know you guys don't like to see anybody get hurt, but in particular, when my favorite guys get hurt, yeah, I mean it hurts a little worse. Um, but I, you know, Ricky Rubio would be back. Medical science is awesome. Um, but, yeah, it does kind of put a little bit of a damper on the Cavs story for this season, which, we, I mean, this is – I feel like we've talked about the Cavs every week since the season started. Uh, they are going to be a fascinating watch for the reasons that you just mentioned. Like, are they going to find somebody who can pick up the slack? Because Ricky Rubio picked up the slack for Colin Sexton. Like, it's very easy to forget because Colin Sexton got so hurt uh, – you know, he got hurt so early in the season – but they were already, as you mentioned, Seth, shorthanded, and they'd been fantastic with Rubio. That move to bringing him off the bench and running like second units and then closing games with him has, has been huge for them. And I'm really curious to see what J.B. Bickerstaff does to, you know, to offset it. I mean, I, I will say this. There's a lot of guys that we're seeing right now who can play. Right. So there are bodies out there in the league on these 10 days and stuff. Isaiah Thomas is a guy who like it just signed with Dallas. So like, I mean, they're just guys out there right now who, who can at least uh, dribble up and down the court and put the, you know, put the ball in the basket. So I don't know, maybe they'll sign a couple guys here and there and, and try them out. But I still like it. Look, I still like the Cavs as their core, even without Rubio. I still think that they could they could be a problem for a team in the first round of the playoffs, but their ceiling is is so much lower now. Yeah, don't but, have much else right, to add to that. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're too. Bummed. We're too. I'm gonna bummed. go cry now in the back. Trombones um, playing in the background. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. Gosh. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's get to our big topic. With, with rosters so in flux, there aren't a lot of trends that we can follow or big takeaways from from the last. I would even say a couple of weeks, not just the past week. So we're going to take this chance to get to a topic that we talk about a lot internally. Like we text about this almost nightly during games, and we definitely discuss this every week. 
And it's end-of-game decision-making, and not just from a player perspective, in particular from a coaching and strategic perspective. Uh, Mo, over on your Twitch stream, you have really focused on end-of-games in particular and the coaching at end-of-games specifically, timeout usage, things of that nature. So what has been going on this year? Because it is different. There, it feels a, a little bit weirder, and maybe that's just all the new coaches. I, I, maybe it's the league just making adjustments to new style of refereeing. I'm not sure what it is, Mo, but things are different. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Dave. One, I feel like also we're having a lot more closer games than we've had in this span. Now, that's just eye test and whatever. I really don't need Seth to crunch up the numbers and tell me how wrong I am. Um, but it's just what it feels like. And maybe it's because all the stuff I'm doing on Twitch. But I'm just watching these teams make decisions at end of game stuff. And a lot of times I'm scratching my head going like, what are you doing? You know, and and it's it's all of those things. Timeout usage, going in to prevent offense too early, uh, one to go to a quick two, one not to, uh, one to start. You got to go for threes. All of these things kind of go into it, and you kind of get a sense of a team in those end of game stuff. And we just see how much it matters during the playoffs, right? Like that's what it comes down to in the playoffs. It's like when you need a bucket, what are you going to do? How are you going to go to it? And I'm perplexed by some of these things that we're seeing in these games. And that's why I was just like, yo, we need to hit these topics. And like, I've been chomping at the bit for a month to talk end of games uh, with you guys. And so that's why I was like, yo, let's do it this week. It's got to happen. I I have a theory. Seth, you're, you're, I have, oh, I have okay, a theory about um, why it seems like it's sneaking up on teams more. Um, I think it was it's that we don't get the automatic review on as many out-of-bounds calls because I think the reason we see a lot of the strange decision-making is stuff happens just too fast. There's too many factors to consider and stuff happens too fast and I – I, I really think that both from a playing and coaching perspective, there there hasn't been the I, I don't want to say enough preparations because teams work on end of game stuff. I don't think it's been the right preparation to make these decisions well at ends of games. I, I you're onto something here. The fewer stoppages is a thing, generally, right? Like I also think that there's more fatigue. These guys are playing longer, and it that applies at the end of games too. Uh, there was a game, it was about a month ago, uh, it might have been the thing that kind of got us talking about this more as a bigger topic. It was the Cavs. J.B. Bickerstaff has done a great job all season. They got a defensive rebound and they had the Utah Jazz in transition. That's where you want the Utah Jazz, especially if you're down one. You want to try to get a bucket. Uh, down one at home. And they had a five on four, actually. And the Cavs took a timeout. I know this is such a random play to to recall, but the Cavs took a timeout with about 14 seconds left. And they came out of that. And, okay, so now you're going to run an ATO against the set defense of the Utah Jazz. Here's Rubio, former Jazz man. Hands it off. Garland has been dynamic. He drives inside. Nearly traveled. Has to force the ball out. Gets it back. Seven to play. Down to six. Down to five. He'll shoot it deep for three. Off the rim. Tapped up. No rebound. Utah. Uh, not great. So they wound up getting nothing. I mean, it, it, I think it wound up being an isolation shot, and, and they got nothing. But it's not even um, that, Dave. It's They run an ATO into just a high pick and roll. 
that, right? That's like what it's, it was. It's, it's just yeah. it's just go into a high pick and roll, get the yeah. switch, and then attack. And it's like, okay, well, did you need the timeout for that? Like that's exactly you you know in 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 that sense. And that's like sorry for cutting you off, but I just well no 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 it's okay. But I'm glad you remembered what it was. Yeah. No, no, I'm guessing because that's what it is 90% of the time when I watch these games. It's literally that or just a straight ISO 90% now, of the time. It, in the moment, Seth Seth argued that those guys, I mean, Rubio, was, uh, I think, had the ball in his hands. He was dribbling toward the timeout line. And this was what triggered our, our conversation was Seth said they didn't have a plan and they looked tired. And so it may have been a good timeout as a coach. Right. Like you may have gotten nothing anyway, but for me, I'd rather take the transition opportunity, especially end of game. But, you know, the best part about that, if they if you find if you really realize like, oh, crap, we don't have anything, then you run and call the timeout. You know, you know, then you do the whole thing. And then we have the video of you running on a court like a crazy man going timeout, timeout, timeout um, type of stuff. But it's it's just timeout usage in general in the last two minutes, last three minutes, because. Listen, you only have two timeouts going into the last three minutes. If you, you, you lose your third one after three minutes for anybody that wasn't aware of the rule. So you usually just go in there with two. It's such a weapon because of the ability to advance the ball, right? And it's so critical in everything about it. And that's why timeout usage matters, you know? And that's why I'm like, yo, you got to save those, you know? And I, I've seen it in games where a guy will use them uh, I, I, I've seen coaches, different coaches. It's, it's not like we can't even just crush one coach. It's several coaches do this. We'll use it down three with a minute, 37 seconds left and call the timeout. And I'm like, that's going to come back to haunt them. You know, that has the ability to all the names. And I think it's such a doc rivers. You know, doc rivers it. does. It, it oh. does like burns timeouts so early and ends up with one timeout down, but down like three with 30 seconds left at a time where you need, thing most said there is the, the the timeout is not generally speaking not for dialing up an ato the biggest advantage of the timeout ends of games are saving the eight seconds to get you into something because end of game especially trailing like the scoreboard is your enemy but the clock is your biggest enemy and so like that eight seconds is so much more important than whatever minor like benefit you might get in terms of, you know, the, the, the outcome, the expected outcome of, a, of, of dialing up your best ATO. And it's, and it's, and it's the sixth defender, really. The, the, the clock is really your sixth defender in, in those instances, if you're up. And I think that's, that's such a big thing. And for a team like the Sixers, when you don't have a lot of great ball handlers and stuff, and you want to try to get a post up to Embiid, you might as well, you, you know, you want to advance the ball so you can even try to just get the post entry off the off the inbounds or whatever play you're going to set up. It's it's along those lines, but it's just so crucial. You saw it in the uh, in the Warriors Denver game the other night, right? Kerr doesn't even use them down the stretch. Compazzo misses a free throw. They're down three with two seconds left. Kerr calls the timeout because he has he has a timeout. If he doesn't, they got to go full length of the court with two seconds left. You're not going to – the odds you're going to get a good look is very rare. Now, granted, they didn't get a great look out of the timeout. Whole different story. But the the timeout usage to me is one of those things. It's a bullet you got to save in your chamber. And and it goes to you know something you were mentioning kind of beforehand, Dave. It also becomes very valuable now with the challenge. Yeah. I mean, look, having that challenge late, I, I, I think that the smart strategy is you only use it in crunch time, right? I mean, it just – it just has become such a powerful tool down the stretch. I mean, we're seeing without all the reviews, 
having that challenge actually does matter. And, and those possessions in a close game late, they they frankly are going to matter more than challenging a play in the third quarter. I know that defies convention where every possession is weighted equally, but now under the new rules, I do think that crunch time matters more. It's it's more difficult to to navigate as a coach because they're going to miss calls. It's a, again. it's a bit of a sliding scale. I think that there were like a lot of times, um, and this is this is sort of a, a pet peeve of mine is the is the 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 whistle blows and and one player or another immediately starts like waving their finger around it, it annoys me as much oh. as you know soccer players waving fake cards at the ref to try to get the you know someone on the other team booked um and for a while it seemed like coaches were indulging players on that and doing it in very like low leverage and not just low leverage in terms of like winning or losing the game but it's like oh they're going to turn this this blocking foul into a charge and and it, but it was a non shooting foul middle yeah. of the second now, quarter if, now if right. you have a foul yeah. where okay where i got called for a foul on a three and a guy kicked his leg into me in the second quarter like you're taking if you're taking three points off the or really two and a half points off the board if you win this challenge like okay end of game is great but there's there's very little chance right. that your end of game thing is going to be worth two and a half points right so right. like in, the, in in those kind of situations where actually like taking points off the board uh, and you have a you have a pretty good chance of success. Like it's still you know if first play of the game is a great time to do that as uh, you know as much as crunch time. But in general, yeah, especially if you can need that to you know reverse a bad out of bounds call or you know. Giannis picks up uh, his sixth foul yeah, right. with like eight minutes left. Right, like that's where I start to think. Okay, so now and and I do I do think teams are getting better. At making these decisions on the challenges, at least the picking their spots better, maybe not, maybe not winning every challenge, but they are picking their coaches spots are, are getting are, are becoming better at having selective blindness. It's like, oh, I didn't see you. I didn't see you calling for the challenge. <laughs> Sorry, I would have. I, no, I, I trust you. I would have. I just didn't see you. I think that's what the coach got to be like. Yo, you got to stop calling for challenges or you got to keep a record every time you call a challenge for and we're, and we're wrong. You're 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 losing. You're losing. It's just fine. Whatever. Hundred bucks. Twenty. You know. Two hundred bucks to the video room. Um, all fines should go to the video room. Just an opinion. But <laughs> it, it, in the point of the challenge is Philly actually won a game in Toronto because of it. You know, the ball right. gets knocked out of bounds. The referee, uh, um, the uh, Thibel knocks the ball out of bounds. They say, "Hey, it's Toronto's ball." There, the the Sixers are up three. Doc calls the challenge because. It touched uh, Siakam last, and he happened to be standing out of bounds. And and then they get the ball, they foul, they the Sixers win the game because of it. So there is mm-hmm. there is value to that in that sense. But just having, but again, it just comes back to having the ability to. And a lot of it comes down to timeouts. I get very nervous when your challenge is your last timeout, right? Like you're challenging a call and using your last timeout. You better be a hundred percent sure this is this is irrefutable. You better know for a fact you're winning this call. Because if you don't and you lose your last time out, you're really in trouble then. Got to just have a replay intern whose well, job it is to just watch the game on League Pass and rewind. And it's like, all right, buddy, your job, it, it all depends on you never being wrong. You know, no pressure. They do. Uh, they do. Seth- it's a video guy. They have a guy at the bench <laughs> with the computer. They always, you ever, you ever notice whenever they want to challenge a call, the coach's reaction goes, looks at the court, 
sees the call, looks back at the bench, and you see some video guy going like, hold on. <laughs> and he's like rewinding the play. And then it's like, yeah, challenge. You're like, no, no, no. Need to start <laughs> getting teams to use the delay a game penalty to uh, buy that's more time. That's actually a great call. Seth? That's that's that's, a, that's yeah. like tie your shoe, do something. Like take, take your shoe yeah, off man. and tie it. And then, yeah. Oh yeah, my shoe yeah. went into the who stands. Got, who Oops. got? I don't know. Davis gets beer. Get a technical and get kicked out of the game when the ref like wouldn't let him tie his shoe, and he got he got yes. yeah yes <laughs> yes. Yeah. Was it in Memphis? If you, uh, uh, I don't remember. You're right though. Definitely, I remember yeah. that happening. Okay, look. So Seth, I, I want to talk about one of your pet peeves. Yeah, I know it. Yes, the the quack too. Okay, so uh, if you're down three, okay. Is there any instance under a minute, I guess under 30 seconds, let's say, is there any instance where you want to get just two points? Like that's your goal. That's, this is one place where like the situation is so important. Like what's the foul situation? Are you in the bonus? Do you have both timeouts left? Like if you have a foul to give or you're short on timeouts, then like the clock is your enemy and you need to shoot three. Now, if you have, if you're already in the bonus, so your next foul puts them on the line and you have your timeout so you can advance the ball, then, you know, you start to get up to 30, 40 seconds. Then, yeah, you can, you can, if you, if you have a, you know, you, you, you can drive to the basket. You, you can use, you know, in the football terminology, you can use the whole playbook. Um, the real problem with the quick two isn't that so much as there's this idea that you have this, this play dialed up that, that's like an 80% bucket. It's like, if you have that, why are you waiting till now to use it? Like nobody, like it's the overestimation of the likelihood of, of both the likelihood of success and how little time the quote quick two will take. Like how many times like teams try to run something, they get something going to the basket and then, Oh shit, that was covered. Let's back the ball out. And now all of a sudden we're down to four seconds. It's like, Oh, you no, just, just, just jack up a three. You're probably going to lose anyway. If you're already in this spot, you like, like, the, like missing the three isn't what lost you the game. It's the 47 and a half or earlier minutes and you're trying this last ditch thing to to save the game for yourself so you got to do something wild um this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Mo, I've seen on multiple occasions defenses conceding layups and dunks up three just to get into the free throw game. And I know you've seen it too. Well, Seth, oh, Seth Seth's is going, Seth's going completely nuts. We so have is, to let so him this go. Is something it's, that like, it's like allowing a touchdown to be scored. So, but there's, there's, is, is the up three 
like kind of let the guy go. And then how many times do we see a guy sprint off the corner? It's like, oh my God, I got to pretend. And then, and then you can almost see the guy's shoulders sink as the pass goes directly behind him to his man, in the, to Chimizi Metu in the corner as he bangs the three to, to, to win the game for the Kings uh, Wednesday night. Um, so it's, it's like the situational awareness of, okay, a layup is fine. We cannot allow a three-pointer to go off. And it right. just that's that that sort of situational awareness. Um, I think it's gotten better, but it's still um, it's still questionable. I, there's still only one coach I've seen in a situation where you know a, the, the team is inbounding down three. Uh, Brad Stevens is the only coach I've seen do this. Just have all five defenders play on the outside of guys. Just like you run to the basket, shoot a layup. Fine, you're not you're not catching the ball outside the arc, and it's it. We're, I'm seeing more of that. So like I've, I've, I've seen it quite a bit. I, I, uh, Denver was doing it in that last possession with the Warriors. Um, there, there, there's an awareness to that stuff. Coincidentally, at the same time, even just being up two, the last thing you want to give up is a three of all things. Right. And that's exactly what Memphis gave up to Phoenix to Devin Booker. Now, granted, Ja saved the day at the end of it, but that was uh, the the instance where I was just like, yo, the last thing you can give up is a three. And 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 I think there's that. But I just want to go back to the quick two real quickly. Because I think if you just even if you have one timeout, I'm okay with it. Because now you're playing the odds there a little bit and hoping they use the free you know, they miss a free throw and things like that. You have the you have one more bullet in the chamber. You know, but when you have no timeouts and you go for the quick two. That's when I'm throwing my hands up in the air going like, do you guys know what the hell you're doing? Do you know what the score is? It's over. Even mm-hmm. by scoring two. Because worst case scenario, you, you've, you've used your last time out and they miss a free throw. You still have the full length of the court to go. It's a lot harder. You know, and then in that instance, you know, if they make both free throws, it's over because now you're down four. Well, uh, so another scenario that used to cause a lot of consternation is fouling up three. And it does feel like that is almost the norm. It almost happens every single time. There's still a couple of teams that that are bad about it. Uh, although, off the top of my head, I can't I can't think of any. Um, Mo, who's bad at fouling up three? I mean, it's it's funny. It's it, it, I I can't really just remember one coach, but there'll be games where I'll see it. Like I know everybody's favorite Luke Walton, one of the greatest coaches of all time, uh, definitely wasn't a uh, uh, foul when you're up three type of guy, if I can remember correctly, I'm sure somebody on Twitter will correct me. Um, but it's, it's, there's always a coach. There's always stuff you see. And it's a situational thing. I think coaches are, are, are nervous about it in terms of time, you know? And, yeah. and, and the other thing that's scary too is, and maybe it's changed a little bit with the way the, the rules have changed this season or the emphasis is, you know, you're always worried of like, crap, we're actually going to get the foul while they're shooting. You know, and they're going to draw right. and get three free throws. So there's a little bit of like, that's a tough one in the sense of it's a time thing for me of when you do it. I think under six, under seven seconds, I do it. Uh, you know, more than that, I probably just try to play solid defense in all of those instances. It's 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 hard, but it's also you got to be good at it because you have guys that are bad at it in terms of players doing it and giving the foul up at the wrong time. I think the timing point that you're making is actually perfect. Usually teams do it too early. That's the, like, it's like 11 seconds, not eight. Right. right. And, and that's a big I, difference. I think that, that this is, this is not something I can be sure of, but I think that everyone is probably intellectually in the right place. Oh, we should foul here. 
but not necessarily prepared for how to do it. Like there's, you know, okay, a guy catches the ball inside the arc, run him over. A guy, a big man catches the ball. Right. If someone catches the ball with their back to the basket, run him over. If, it, you know, if, it, you know, there's the, uh, a guy backs out to half court, go for the yeah. steal. You know, that, that's, that, um, these, it's, it's not so much we should foul here. It's how and when to do it and when not to do it. Because I think you're right, Mo, that there is the fear of, okay, the guy's facing the basket. I can't put my hand in because it's a three shot foul. But there's still, if you situationally can, can, you can figure it out pretty, if you, if you practice it, it's some fairly simple rules in terms of when and when definitely do it now. And I, I just, I wonder if, if teams actually get on the floor and practice, not there. There, and 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 just get the reps to do that, and that that sort of gets me to a larger point about end of games. I'm not sure that that because it's the the the, the complication of time, score, fouls to give for both teams, timeouts for both teams, the permutations of what you should do at end of game is are are, are pretty in depth, and you don't have time in the moment to calculate all those. I don't know if if teams have the if teams and coaching staffs get the mental reps. Of you know the the baseball analogy is okay first and third one out two run game single into left field like who go where does the ball go who like how do you want a base run stuff like that I don't know if if like they've almost done flashcards enough of those situations to you know so that th- those decisions are already made. By the time you get to the specifics in a game, you don't have to like, oh, by, uh, we have one timeout. They have two. We have a foul to give a uh, four-point game. What do we do? It's, it's already – you've already made the decision. You've already you've already got the recipe for it, and I don't know that that's done enough. Yeah, I don't think – especially in terms of the fouling, I don't think uh, – I remember being in a practice where a coach has done that. You know, and, and, and part of it too is when I was in the league, I don't think it was as prevalent, uh, the idea of fouling when you're up, when you're up three uh, – even though it probably should have been, but along those lines, I don't think we've ever discussed it. You do do end of game stuff, but not to this extent. You know, it's it's you're down five, thirty seconds left, scrimmage, boom, go. Spurs, you know? Spurs don't do any end of game. Uh, we're losing. We need to foul stuff. They're 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 one of the worst always <laughs> at fouling late. But the, here's another thing I want to talk about because this one does drive me nuts, and it's about the team okay. that's that's winning. Teams are going into this prevent offense and to bleed clock way too early. I'm watching it where it's a one possession game and teams are bleeding the clock with 137 left in the game. I keep going to 137. I know it's buried in my brain, but whatever, like a minute 30 left in the game. And it's like, yo, you need the points, you know? And, 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 And what's funny with it too is like, I understand it if you have Kevin Durant. I understand it. You have unbelievable one-on-one guys that can basically get you a bucket whenever the hell they want. But a lot of teams who don't have that are bleeding clock, and then it's basically they they end up having to take a terrible shot, and it's usually either it's 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 a tough shot or even a shot clock violation. And now the other team has the ball, and I'm talking about even doing it for me. This is where I get in trouble with some people. You're at 35 seconds. I'm and you're up too. I'm still saying you got to go get a bucket. You know, you know, there's going to be another possession for the other team. I'd rather be up four than be up two or or or, or five. You know, in that instance, so I'd rather get a good shot instead of let me just bleed the clock all the way down. And now there's there's you know seven seconds left, and they have a timeout, and they're and they're only down two. 
Like that's that's the stuff I'm watching where I'm like, guys, you got to stop this prevent offense. Well, you also keep pressure on the defense, which is going to affect them on the other end as well, right? Like you want to wear them down. Now, I will say you want to milk some clock. Like you don't want to be taking a a pull-up jumper with 18 seconds on the clock if you've got a, if you got a two-point lead and it's late. Right, like maybe initiate your action starting around eleven or twelve seconds. If but it's you a should good have, shot. I mean, run some offense, no, please. You, if it's right? a good look, yeah, okay, yeah. If you get a layup at, at eighteen seconds or, or, or wide open three, sure, you, you take have. It. But don't go down and force. You have, I don't. I do not agree. Like wait till eleven. Like that's my big. Is you have you know you have plays in your in your you have sets that develop quicker and some that take a little more time. There's some of the longer actions, but start it at the normal time. Start it with 16 on the shot clock. You get a lay, like you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna shoot off the first look. Well, everything's high pick you know, and roll. Right. You know, you're not, but you know, you're not right. gonna shoot off your first look unless it's a layup. But give yourself a chance to get that layup and then get into some other stuff. Like this, this, you know, it's the the best way to to not lose close games is to not play close games. And by you know taking your foot off the gas and just stopping playing offense, and the teams that are worst of this actually tend to be the teams that have kind of, I'll say like the second tier of of dominant wing scorer types, like like Dame, like Portland with Lillard and McCollum has been terrible about this for years. Uh, Boston with Tatum is uh, is a team that struggles with this awesome. a, a lot. Uh, Miami put we put the ball in Jimmy Butler's hands. This happens a lot. Um, you know, just the, the, the sort of dribble it down, jack up some BS with four seconds on the shot clock. And, you know, you've, you've basically, you know, you've, you've kind of two ways to win the game. One is keep scoring. One is the clock runs out. You've basically taken the keep scoring off the table. Well, this is like the system buckets versus the, Hey, get us a bucket. Right. And, and, I think we all lean towards system buckets being at least better, right? Like as as far as your team identity goes, if you're the Suns and you're the Warriors, you know that you can generate offense. Whereas if you're Boston, it's like, I hope Jason Tatum can do it. And, and we have lamented why more teams don't actually run plays down the stretch when they're losing. But I think maybe what we're saying here, Mo, is you need more offense when you're winning. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's simple. It's you, you just need more offense in that sense, in, 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 that, in, in that instance. It's not even a thing. You're up by two. It's better to be up by four. You never have to worry right? about fouling like, up three if you're up seven. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's those types of situations. And I'm watching this stuff going like, yo, like, and teams are doing it so early now. I'm like, I'm going nuts. When I watch it, just going like this is stupid. Now I understand some people might have problems with me to saying do it with the, even with thirty or thirty five seconds left, but like it's it's what I'm seeing is more and more bad offense because of it. Because now you're not going into anything until eight or seven seconds left on the shot clock, and no offense, then you have Jalen Brunson coming off a pick and roll, and you're not getting a good look. Now you might. You might get lucky. You might miss it, get an offensive rebound. You might He might make an unbelievable shot and things like that. But it's the process, right? It's, it's not the result. It's the process. And just looking at that, I'm like, you're just making it challenging. The way I talked about the clock being a, a sixth defender when you're down, it's becoming the sixth defender when you're up, when you're and you're willingly going like, add another guy on the court. Let's go. Shot clock violations, right? Like, th- I, I feel, and this is anecdotal, so... Please don't hammer me if someone's going to go run the number. Man, but I feel like I've seen more late game 
shot clock violations from teams with the lead. And it, I, I think that this is kind of, it's a symptom of the same disease, Mo. It's getting yeah. into the offense seven or eight seconds. Um, but I, I do, I do think that going away from spread, pick and roll and isolation at end of games is going to just make teams. Better. So there's, there, there's an interesting, there's an interesting sort of caveat to all this. And it's a very specific situation. It's tie game shot clock off. Like, yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. Very. Yeah, and that's, and, and that's, well, yeah, and that's yeah. like the, the single most important thing you can do in that spot is the ball in the air at triple zeros. Cause yeah. you, you right. like just from a, there's there it's, it's theoretically possible for you to get a, sh- a shot good enough with time left that your, your chances of winning the game are higher when you, if you have, if you start giving yourself the chance to lose in regulation, and if, if you know someone falls down, you get a layup, great. But for the most part, you you either we're either taking the fifty fifty of overtime or winning the game. Now there's no way we're losing this game in in uh, in, in in regulation. So that's a very specific like you want to talk about where when like isolation, spread, pick and roll, whatever. It's when you specifically have to control the time the shot goes up. Because then it's like, okay, if you know when you're shooting, you probably know who's shooting. And if you know who, when and when and who's shooting, you probably know where. So it's going to have to be something. Yeah, just put the ball in our best shot creator's hands and let him try to create something. And then at least we get the clock to – at least the horn sounds while the ball's in the air. And we've got half of what we want at least. Right. And you're worst case, you're going to overtime, right? And that's that's kind of the, the end scenario. I mean it's the greatest uh, soundbite from Isaiah Thomas, right? I'm not doing anything until that, that clock goes to double zero, right? Like, Katie. Isaiah, first of all, congratulations on your first career triple-double. That's got to feel good. It does. I mean, especially since we won the game. It feels good because I play my heart out every night, and my teammates do the same thing. And, and we didn't give up tonight. We kept fighting. We came back. We got in overtime, and we, we sealed the deal. This truly was a team win because this team was struggling. The momentum had shifted. Coach said something to you guys in that timeout, and you came out, and it was really just your hustle plays that got everyone involved, got Rudy and DeMarcus going. Um, yeah, I, we knew DeMarcus and Rudy weren't having a great game. DeMar- they were both in foul trouble, so they, they started off slow. But once they got going, they're, they're two guys, one of the best players in the league. They're hard to guard. Rudy got going. He's a clutch player. And then DeMarcus did what he does. So. They, they, they willed us to a win tonight. I have to talk about your guys' defense. It has been so much more improved. It was, came, in, came up huge here tonight in this game, getting stops, especially in overtime. I think we're just trusting each other. I mean, all year long, we got the tools to be a good defensive team, but we, were, we weren't trusting each other on defensive end. We're communicating more, trusting each other, and, and we got each other's back. All right, well, congr- congratulations on the triple-double and the win, Isaiah. So I think win. it's just along those lines of, like, that's an important caveat. I'm glad you brought it up because somebody would have been like, well, you know, um, but that's an important one. One other thing I want to talk about, we haven't mentioned when to hunt threes, have we? No, we haven't. So, like, that's the other one. Like, at a certain point, you do need to start kind of bombing away, you, you know, and Seth, maybe you have a better feel for it. I, I just know, hey, you're down. You're down six or, or, or eight points with two minutes left. Now. That layup ain't really going to help you. Now. You know? well, I, to me, it <laughs> ties into the conversation. Yeah, six, six down six with two minutes. Yeah. Uh, it ties into the conversation to me about fouling when you're down, right? Like, I think teams start 
fouling way too late. This is this is something that I think that you could start true across. Yeah, this go is ahead. something that's true across sports is team, is the status quo bias is in favor of not going to underdog strategies until way too late. Like if you look at the research, um, teams like I think teams usually pull the goalie in hockey around a minute. People who've researched it's like no, like three or four minutes left. Like, or you go early because you like, like okay, you're if you're you know you're down six with with two minutes left, your win probability is probably in the, it's easily in the single digits, maybe under five percent. So, if you're down four going into the final period, why not just go ahead and start that final period without a goalie? I mean, really, at a certain, a certain point in, in hockey, it's it's you know. It's, there's a certain it becomes farcical at a certain point. Let's just get the game over with. But yeah, um, but no, I'm sorry. In like basketball, you're down, you're down six with 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 90 seconds left. Like your win probability is in like the two percent range probability, probably. So you know, okay, fine. We miss a three, the game's over. The game's already over. And a two mean if you make a two, the game's probably still over. So yeah, you take the chance on the higher variance play. Um, and and I think uh, I think on both sides of the ball, teams don't do enough to understand that because you know in that spot again you're up you're up six with with 90 seconds left a, a team runs 18 seconds off the shot clock and shoots a layup that's you know you'd rather it be you'd rather give up zero points but that doesn't that doesn't beat you giving up a three beats you potentially beats you like get like helping off the guy in the corner and giving up that that kick out three that's the one that that that, that actually puts the game in doubt Whereas the layup doesn't really. Yeah, I mean, that's just like you just got to know the situation and, and and what you're doing. And that's almost coming out of a timeout as a coach. You just got to be saying, yo, don't give up the three, whatever. It's it's we're fine. You got it. And, and, and sometimes I think it's hard for players with the instinct because we drill down so much. You got to rotate. You got to come over. I'm killing guys on Twitter who are not rotating over. Right. I'm putting up clips going. You got to rotate. You got to rotate. It changes in the last two minutes, right? Last two minutes of games, everything changes because then it becomes situational basketball. But I also want to blast some coaches here in the sense of their play calling, right? And it's 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 along the lines of what we were talking about with the, the Cleveland game where then they just go into a high pick and roll, right? Like I'm watching Cleveland. Uh, they are – it was uh, uh, is the game Rubio got hurt. Sorry, which who did yeah. they play? Uh I can't even remember off the top of my head. Can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So they're down and they and they run a they're down three. They don't call a timeout. They run a play. They 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 just try to get a shot up offensively. They get a bad shot. They're down four. They call a timeout. They advance the ball. They use their last timeout. And they run a play for an actual three. Now, granted, it was a Kevin Love runner that went in, but it was the idea was this is an action to get us a three. Why wouldn't you use that when you were down three? You have it in your book, like you have it in your your your, your situation. Like you, it's it's literally like you're down three. You have the timeout. Fifteen seconds, twenty <laughs> seconds left. Call the freaking timeout and use it then. Don't call it when there's four seconds left and you're down four because now it doesn't matter, you know. And you even could see the defender going like, "I'm not touching him," you know. I'm not giving up uh, a four point play. It, Mo, it's almost like. You need a little bit more scripting in basketball coaching, like football, right? Like, uh, you know, and, and Seth, you mentioned this, the flashcards. Okay, hey, what's the time and score? And, and okay, what, what do we got here? What do we have for this 
instance. I wonder if this just couldn't be something. It's not like these are bad coaches, right? Like making these decisions. These are guys who are good. It just, it's the heat of the moment. And I think everyone is susceptible to blowing things. Greg Popovich, the greatest basketball coach in history of basketball. Awful Awful at end of games. And again, man, it's just like if he had an assistant whose job it was to be like, hey, coach, here's our play. Hey, coach. You get those guys to foul. Oddly, oddly, I know. Oddly Lamarcus Aldridge has been out there for 20 seconds running around, not fouling anybody. What's happening? Oddly enough, big flashcard guy. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got to bump the game massive, up. Massive uh, 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 flashcard no, guy. I thought, I mean, he was what? better. He was better. When he had the guys to do it, and Manu, sure. Tony, and, yeah. and Tim, right? It's, sometimes that also helps a lot. But like he was, you know, like when I was there, he he did have some really good end of game stuff. You know, I think now it's it's not as good, and it's a little bit different. Um, quarterback to some extent to, to drop down to number three on the depth chart at the most important position and still be a, a good well-coached team that decisively what does that say about just where your team is right now just just how good it is right now uh, i don't know you've prepared to face this peyton manning led offense more than 20 times in your coaching career is there one common thread that stands out to you over the years um, i guess man that you said Sean Lee visited you as a kid in Cleveland, or did I miss that when you were talking about? Yeah. What, what was that connection? We were going to snap face there when we were talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a Pittsburgh guy, you know, friend of a friend kind of thing. Coach, do you think the fans have a right to know about what happened to with Chandler on Sunday? Yeah, I've already covered this. I've already covered it. Dylan, specific to Chandler, how much will what happened affect your usage, you know, the way you use him in, in the game against the Chiefs? What, what happened on Sunday? Well, we'll find out on Saturday. I could just Xerox you a copy of the game plan. You can send it over to Kansas City if you got I mean... It might be easier for all of us. I have multiple friendships that are important to me, and that's what that was about. So it's not about politics. It's about football. we got a huge game this week against a great football team, a great organization, and that's where it all is going forward on Seattle. All right. Coach, were you uh, happy or annoyed that Trump read the letter? Seattle. But your team's always been good at keeping outside distractions on the outside. Given the nature of this presidential race, Seattle. Did you find it? Seattle. Did you find it uh, helpful to talk Seattle. to your players about this? If any of your players talk to you about this, are there Seattle. Any concerns about any locker room rancor as a result of this. Lawrence Taylor was like that. I mean, Lawrence Taylor, he, I mean, he knew what every player on the field was doing. Lawrence would go out there and come in off the, after the series and say, Coach, you're not blocking it the way you said they were going to block it. Here's what they're doing. Instead of him taking me, this guy's got me, he's helping. I could see that guy looking for me. If I come inside, you know, the center's going to come off, he's going to pick me up. Go look at the film and say, yeah, that's, you know what, he's right. 
Like, you can never get that from the sideline, but he can. Having that both physically and mentally is really rare. Well, yeah, that's what makes him special. I mean, that's what makes Tom Brady Tom Brady. It makes Randy Moss Randy Moss. It made Lawrence Taylor Lawrence Taylor. You know, those guys are just, you know, they just have that six, seven sense. You don't want to get one of those death stares. You really don't. You don't want to be put in the corner. You don't want to have to have a timeout. But like when Corey Dillon ran for 1,600 yards, would I be against that? Yeah, I don't think so. What do you think having a 37 year We're on to Cincinnati. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. Do you feel like the talent you have here is good? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. Well, I mean, I'm just asking, do you think you've done enough to help Tom Brady? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. Somebody hands him the, a stack of cards, and you could see it sometimes. He's literally pulling out the mm-hmm. play he wants, you know. So it's I'm with you on that stuff, Dave. In terms of at least having a a, your, your, a mini playbook for end of game stuff of like I like these plays for these guys and go. Yeah, you know? I would look. I mean, and I mean, this is something that maybe if I ever coach again, I, I might even think about. But hey, we're up seven, two minutes left. What do we have when we're up six or more? You know, and like. You could really script this out in a way where you don't have to dip into the stuff that you mentioned, Mo. Like the last thing I would want is to have to dip into prevent offense, you know, get into some of the plays that take longer to develop. And this is where the Warriors have that built in advantage, right? Like Steph Curry is one never ending play. Right. And, and, well, and, and they also, the they also are, have an you know, they're tough to guard. They have, it's not just, it's not just Steph. It's, it's, you know, they have guys who, I mean, you were just talking about, you know, when they had, you know, Manu. And Tim Duncan. And these are like very, very right. situationally intelligent players. Um, you know, you, you can kind of execute some stuff better when you have Draymond, who, you know, right. is, is not only like, you know, him and Iggy are not only like, you know, geniuses at figuring stuff out for themselves, but Draymond is also such an excellent communicator on the floor that he's putting everyone else in the, in the right spots to do the right things to, to, to you know, either defend or, or attack offensively correctly. Um, I think the, the the thing that we're getting around to again is um, this stuff is happening so fast, and the reason these mistakes are making are being made is you can't calculate all this in the moment, and you have to have the decision already made. Like you know what what's sort of happening is there's a failure to make a decision, which is a, a decision in and of itself. Where if you took the time and you had whether it's you know whether it's a, a play sheet or something like that. Um, that that is it's already baked in, and so it's like okay, situation, look, go, bam, automatic. Um, and yeah, maybe you might get predictable, but like you tell me that a team can can figure like suss out like forty seconds left, down three, no timeouts for either team. What do they run here? Well, we we know what they're running here. Like you're telling me that that, that, that teams can study at that level of detail. I don't think so. Seth, no, 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 Seth, I'll do you one better. We've never gotten it right. 
I literally, one of the jobs for video guys, I, I imagine you guys did this in Milwaukee because it's actually Bud who taught me this from San Antonio, was make these two-minute tapes, right? And that's basically what I do on Twitch is, is, is a two-minute tape. Run through the end of games. Every We have an edit of whatever team we're playing, all their close games. I, well, I can, right? I can tell you what diagram- the Bucks are running. Uh, it's it's, yeah, it's no, a no, flare no. screen to Chris it's, Middleton on to the to the corner to try to, but you know. <laughs> no, no, but like, but like specific like end of game plays, right? And like, I'll have a coach who's like, Mo, end of game. What play are they going to? And this is my scout, and I've watched all their close games, things like that. I go like this one, and I'll be honest with you, I might as well just close my eyes and throw <laughs> a play up in the air because you never know. And it's and 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 sometimes it's like like I've had a coach come into me afterwards, going like, where was that one? I go, nope, that was a new play. Never seen that one before. New or not, by the way, 100% a lie. Um, but like that was just like, that one's new. We haven't seen that. That wasn't in the book. Um, but it's along those lines of like, it is kind of a guessing game, you know? And it's it, not football. It's not football. Man. Right. It's not like, you know, you know, all we know is, hey, they need a three. Get everybody out on the perimeter. As long as we and, know and, what and we're doing, saying, is, it almost doesn't matter if they know what we're doing offensively. It's how we do yep. it. Yep. You know, and, and, and I think that's the most important thing. And then when you talk, Dave, about like, hey, even if you're going to go into prevent offense, exactly. Don't just stand around. Have them set, have guys set screens, have a weak side pinned down or something or, or just in a simple exchange or things like that, because then you're just letting the defense chill for 15 seconds before they have to get into action, and, you know, and, and it's harder. And you're never, ever getting All that Dan Tony 21 series stuff. Go, go ahead. I mean, if you're just letting people stand around, like you're, you're just never like one of the great things that can happen is you get an offensive rebound, can run more clock. If you're never stressing the defense and everyone's just standing around, it's like, oh, okay, there he's going to shoot a jumper at the elbow. I can start blocking out now, and and then right. you, just, you never get the offensive rebound, and so you just basically you might as well just roll the ball out of bounds, and that way you can you know just to channel my old high school coach, you know, you're going to take that shot, just throw it out of bounds so we can get back on defense. Um, it, right, right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. That, that dead ball, live ball yeah. turnovers and different discussion another day. Uh- <laughs> uh-huh. Well, the next next deep dive we'll do, we'll uh, we'll try to figure out why good coaches always seem to have good players. Is it a chicken and egg situation? We'll have to figure this one out. Uh, you know, we mentioned Pop and Tim Duncan and Mono, and that's all I could think of. Uh, that's going to do it for this week, folks. This is the last show, the last nerder of 2021. Going to wish you guys a happy 2022 can't be any worse. Don't say that. Right? Don't no, say that. Godzilla still I'm hasn't shown up. That. Godzilla still hasn't no. shown up. Hey, look, we're all being optimistic so wait, I'm, here. I'm but, be promoting uh, anyway. two books in 2022 is what you're saying? Oh, God. No, that's, that is not happening. Just doubling down. Uh, for, for Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll be back next week with another episode of Nerder She Wrote right here on The Athletic NBA Show. This, this is a new double deuce. I put a lot of money and time into this. To protect my investment, I've hired the best damn cooler in the business. From now on, he's in charge of all the bar business. What he says goes. Morgan, you're out of here. What the fuck are you talking about? You don't have the right temperament for the trade. You asshole! What am I supposed to do? There's always barber college. <laughs> You're a dead man. You're out to selling booze here, not drugs. Anybody else you're dealing? I'm telling you straight. 
It's my way or the highway. Oh, thank God. It's only Grandpa. This dude hasn't done anything yet. You know he's going to do something amazing. And as soon as the screen cuts away, you just hear one of these horrific screams. And you just hear Homer going... Oh, you missed it. And it's, 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 that's the guy. He has that gear. You know, it's, it's a guy that maybe hasn't done anything all game or has had a bad game, but then in the last five minutes just goes, okay, let's go. Now what? Sorry we're late. Could we have the money now? The answer is no. I'm afraid I must insist. You see, my wife, she has been most vocal on the you subject. You heard her. She said... No. Legs, Louie, advance on them. Well, well, if it isn't Marge Simpson and her gangland cronies. Your goon squad certainly gave you the edge in the mobile snack business. But I'm afraid we've outdone you once again. Hiroshi? Yukio? Perhaps you've heard of the Yakuza? The poison fists of the Pacific Rim? The Japanese Mafia? They'll kill you five times before you hit the ground. Why, Sebastian! I'd love baseball. Well, we all love baseball. When we get to St. Louis, will you tell me the guys' names on the team so I go to see them in that St. Louis ballpark? I'll be able to know those fellas. Well, now, it's all right, folks. All right. Excuse me, I, all want, right. I want to find out the fellas' names. As long as it's okay I'm, with I'm the audience. I'm crazy about baseball. Uh, now, will you stand still? Pick up your hat. Go pick up your hat. Okay. Now, look. Then you'll go and peddle your popcorn and don't interrupt the act anymore? Yes, sir. All right. But you know, strange may seem they give ball players nowadays very peculiar names. Funny names? Nicknames, pet not, names. Not as funny as my name, Sebastian Dinwiddie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Funny than that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Now, on the St. Louis team, we have uh, who's on first, what's on second. I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find out. I want you to tell me the names of the fellas on the St. Louis I'm, team. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You know the fellas' names? Yes. Well, then who's playing first? Yeah. I mean, the fellas' name on first base. Who? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.